Hello and welcome to episode two of the Thrive Beyond Divorce podcast. My guest today is Shelby Timmons from Divorce Done Differently. Shelby, I might let you introduce yourself and explain the name, why Divorce Done Differently? Um, bit of background about me. I was a family lawyer for many years and effectively got to the point where I wanted to try and do something a little bit differently, um, but keep my, I guess, hand in the family law space and I was talking to my mum about what I could do and I had been uh, mediating for a number of years anyway the next day I turned up at her place for a cup of tea and she had come up with the name Divorce Done Differently and drawn my little logo so it all just went from there yeah Um, and then the thoughts about how I was going to structure the business um, moved from that. So you are, I think you call yourself a reformed family lawyer. Yeah, look, I, um, I still hold my practising certificate. I don't do any legal work at all anymore, um, but I work very closely with uh, a lot of family lawyers. Okay, and so you work predominantly as a mediator and also in the collaborative divorce process as a coach? That's right, and a parenting coordinator. Okay, fantastic. So I imagine that you have been really busy recently dealing probably more with parenting matters and families rather than property settlements? Yeah, look, I think there's um, probably like all family lawyers, there has been a huge um, influx of calls and inquiries from people that have either got parenting arrangements in place and they're not sure how to manage them with the COVID-19 restrictions um, or they're semi-way through a property settlement and they're worried about the impact of fluctuations in valuations, um, earnings, having a job, all of those things. So it's a lot of fear sitting in behind um, for people and a lot of worry. So yes, it's been a busy time for us all. And what are, I guess, what I'd really like to focus on are the issues that you're finding families are experiencing and they're coming to you to talk about in terms of the parenting, because I think that's Mm. a really live issue at the moment. Um, And just the creative solutions that people might be coming up with. If you feel okay to give some anonymized examples, I'm, I'm sure that our listeners would really love to know how people are, are working these things out. And look, I would say to Jennifer that in the last three weeks, that has shifted as well as the government has made various announcements around expectations of people's behaviour and conduct, work requirements, etc. But primarily people are coming worried about safety and the security of their children. And what I mean by that is really from a health aspect. How are they managing um, who each parent comes into contact with? What are their expectations around what activities people are doing and who is coming and going from their respective homes? And also changeovers. So if changeovers have previously not been happening um, either from each other's homes, but from school um, or a public place, how they manage all of that. So it's really coming down to a safety and health issue. Yeah. And one of my top tips would be to try and get an understanding of where the other parent is sitting. What are they worried about? Can you talk through what your expectations are or what you're you're actually doing? Um, I've had clients that are asking for medical certificates for testing of COVID-19. 
And once we actually talk through what it is that they're worried about, we're able to overcome that and put, I guess, arrangements in place that manage um, those worries and allow children to see their parents. Yeah, it's it's interesting because um, I'm a mediator as well and and a parenting coordinator, as you know, and um, these are different issues, but they still seem to have the same underlying um, issue underneath them, which is a lack of knowledge and fear. And that really, I find in mediations and, and parenting coordination as well, that sometimes people just need more information. Yeah. And, and what presents as a, I don't want this to happen, I don't want the kids to do X, Y, Z, mm. for instance, um, or go to such and such as house. I can't do that at the moment. Mm. But um, I, when you really drill down as to what's going on, it's about needing more information about mm. what, what's actually happening and going on. And um, I know that something that I've shared with, with clients when um, they have these exchanges and, and you get to this issue is, just share with the other parent what you would want to know Mm. if it was you. And I find that can really break it down for people. I remember a couple I dealt with in parenting coordination and one of them felt like they were getting information overload Mm. and the other one felt like they weren't getting enough information. Mm. Well, you know what? What that's telling you is that the other parent wants a lot more information than you are giving and and you might... And they, and they feel like you will want that too. If you don't, mm. that's okay. You don't have to complain about it. It's just, thank you, that's information, mm. move on. But if you start providing the same level of information that they're giving you, you might find a lot of your problems actually start to dissipate. And that, was, that yeah. really helped that particular family because they, they, they were just communicating really, really poorly around those things. And I think that's key what you've just said. And every um, family that I work with, if we can get the communication right, regardless of COVID-19, if we can get that right, we're setting a platform for them for success because issues will arise in life, especially if you've got small children as they progress through the next 5, 10, 15 years. You are going to have to communicate, find some way that you can share information with each other that meets the needs that you each have. And I only had this morning an inquiry um, from a colleague around, I've got one client that is wanting lots of information and the other one that wants to keep it fairly brief. And I often talk to families around structuring their communication. And I know that seems a little artificial, but if you've got that structure and each of you comply with it, then you will share the information that you each need. So, you know, talking around, whether it's a weekly email, whether it's using some form of parenting app, whether it's a telephone call or a video link like we are, just making sure you've got structure to that. What are the areas that you need information on? Is it health? Is it schooling, homeschooling? How are we managing it? Is it um, medical care, um, extracurricular? All of those things. And if you can keep that structure And I encourage my clients to use dot points so that we don't get into this war and peace banter. Um, And a really helpful tip that came out of actually the parenting coordination training for me was using the concept of for your information. So FYI, I'm sharing this with you. I don't need any feedback, just dot point information. 
and then a concept of what I call R&R, where please read it and I need you to reply to it. And be really um, cautious and realistic around the expectations of timeframe. Yes, I think the timeframes are really important. People can get quite frustrated if they're not getting a response within a timeframe they would respect. But if they've never agreed on a timeframe, then what is it? And what one person considers reasonable, you can't assume the other person's on the same page. Um, no. I actually use the same technique um, with my clients, the mm. FYI and R&R. And one thing that I add to it, and it also came from the parenting coordination, is that once you've got the response, you have to accept it and move yes. on. You can't, if you're asking for something, you can't keep going back and asking yeah. for the same thing again and again and hoping for a different response. Yeah. One of the other things I'm finding too, Jennifer, that typically the space that we work in with mediations or collaborative work is that you set, you know, uh, a meeting time aside, whether that's half a day, a day, um, a couple of hours. What I'm finding with a lot of the families I'm working with that they're preferring just at, at this time of significant change and uncertainty that they're checking in with me once a week or once a fortnight for an hour. We're setting a time with topics that they haven't been able to agree on. So it's just a forum for them to facilitate a hopefully a fairly constructive conversation. Yeah, so it's I changing the way we work. I can imagine that a whole day mediation by video would be <laughs> absolutely exhausting, ex exhausting mm. for everyone. Mm. Um, even a half day, you know, it's yeah. a, I mean, I, I don't, you, like me, you probably are spending most of your days mm. on Zoom um, and jumping between different meetings mm. and even just seeing yourself on the screen, it's so it's exhausting. I know, I was only talking to my husband yesterday and he said that sounds so vain, but when you're having to watch different people and screens, it is exhausting. So be mindful of that when you're talking to others, when you're talking to each other and when you're trying to structure up um, ways to, you know, have a meeting, just think about what works for you and what might work for the other parent. Shelby, I'm wondering if you're finding um, much difference between uh, video or online mediation mm -hmm. and telephone mediation. Yes. I'm not sure if you've done many telephone mediations, yeah. but has, um, I wonder, could you comment on um, the differences between them and how the parties interact? I think um, telephone uh, mediations would be, uh, I guess, the least uh, familiar for me. Uh, um, I, my preference would be either face-to-face uh, -face or some form of um, visual uh, communication. That's so that I can see the parties, I can read um, how they're feeling, some of their body language, if they've got uh, lawyers involved. Um, I think you can gain a lot more from being able to see somebody. I know the feedback from the families that I work with is they, they get an enormous level of comfort knowing that they can see me. Um, and a lot of the facilities that we're using online allow you to have private meetings so you can have what we call breakout rooms. Um, so once we talk through with families that this is how it's going to be structured, I often do a trial run with them so that they can walk through on their own with me, the technology, what it looks like, how it works. Um, but I find my preference is video, um, unless there are significant safety issues or technology is a problem. And I think we all need to be aware that not everybody has a computer. 
Not everybody has Wi-Fi. Um, and as professionals, we need to make it work for the families that are in that heightened emotional state. They need our help and we've got to work around it. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. Where I just said you and I are using this technology every day as are mm -hmm. most of our colleagues, which means we're used to it. And mm -hmm. I've been using video conference technology um, for a couple of years for sitting on boards and committees. And mm -hmm. um, I remember when I first used it, it was a bit confronting. And I think we have to be conscious that the parties are already dealing with really confronting yeah. issues. Um, all of us are dealing with a time in our lives that we never could have anticipated. Mm -hmm. So we're all um, in, in a state of what's called hypervigilism, mm -hmm. uh, where we're all on edge. It, it's hard to concentrate for some people. Um, and on top of that, people have got issues around the safety of their children and mm. it sounds like they're really focusing on safety and health rather than mm. time mm. Um, and on top of that we were saying hey and just jump online use this new technology you've never used before yeah. you'll be fine and then there's a lot of um there's, there's stuff going around in the media about the safety of these platforms and and yes. i just thought i might talk about some of the things that um i've implemented so that we can make sure our clients are safer mm -hmm. so um the platform that we're using today for this is Zoom and there's been some bad press around that, mm. but there are some very simple fixes that people can do to make sure things secure. So um, the most meetings now default to requiring a password. Um, you can lock a meeting so nobody mm. can Zoom bomb it, I think mm -hmm. is the term. Yes, it is. Um, and um, for me, with uh, mediations and parenting coordination, I turn off the chat function because we don't want participants sending each other messages that the mediator or parenting coordinator might not be able to see. Mm -hmm. And we don't want any file sharing or screen sharing that's not controlled by the mm -hmm. host. So there's a lot of things there where the, um, I guess we see all the worst case scenarios in the media, but yeah. there are certainly things that we as colleagues have been talking about that we can do to make things safe and secure for our um, for our parties. Yeah, and I think for the parents that are involved, um, being able to say to them, look, and, I, and I've done this a lot in recent weeks, once you are connected, it is really up to the host, so whether it's the mediator, the coach, the um, parenting coordinator, for them to control the technology. So giving them a level of comfort around, these are the things we've implemented to keep it as secure as we can. And I think it would be fair to say that there is no um, online facility that is 100% secure. Um, it's like telephone. Telephone calls can be recorded. Um, other people can be on those calls and you're not aware of them. So I think any platform, um, even face-to-face -face meetings when we were holding meetings in our office, um, I would often say to, to parents, this meeting can't be recorded. We'd have terms around that. But again, there's no certainty somebody's got their phone in their pocket or in a bag. So I think um, as a profession, we need to move with what's happening and accommodate uh, the security and safety issues as they arise and to ensure that we've implemented them as much as we can for the families we work with. Yeah, as, as you said, Shelby, there, there is no perfect system. Mm. And um, you made some really good points there that um, we, 
just because it's a new platform, um, it doesn't mean to say that those things couldn't have been happening previously. Mm. We just need to be aware of them and have mediation agreements that cover off on those things so that yeah. people understand the, the rules by which we're playing. Mm. And I was reading an article about the, the Zoom bombing and the worries that um, are being raised by people. And one of the comments from a cyber expert was, we had these same worries when we introduced the telephone and they, there were concerns at that point that the telephone was never going to be used as a main platform for communication. And I think we've had the same issues with fax and email. And so I think we just need to be mindful that there are concerns and manage those. Um, because what are the alternatives? The yeah. alternatives are that we don't provide a platform for families in need to be able to resolve their concerns. Yeah. So Shelby, it was interesting that you um, talked about the length of time of meetings. And I just mm. want to circle back to that because there's a lot of people having to work from home at the mm. moment. Um, and um, a lot of the people you'd be dealing with, at least one of them would have kids at home at the moment because the schools are closed, although it's now school yes. holidays are for some people already and, and some are starting. Mm -hmm. um, so to try to carve out a, a three-hour meeting chunk would be mm -hmm. really, really hard. I, yeah. I imagine even, especially with the little kids, um, yeah. they seem to be the ones that um, I friends who are... Um, Parenting, parenting from home, homeschooling and working from home are all finding a challenge. It's the littlies and trying to keep them amused for even half an hour yes. would be challenging. And yeah. I'm just wondering if you've had any families that have had challenges around that and how they might have managed it. We sure have. And I think most people at the moment are working from home, either one parent or both. And I'm actually working with a couple of families where both parents are living under the one roof and they've separated and they are trying to resolve things. So we're working very carefully with that family around what are the needs of the family? Are there young children? Are both parents able to have um, what I call semi-privacy? Because I think historically we've all worked in a space where children would never be present during a meeting of some sort unless they were, you know, very, very, very small babies. Um, now we're having to be creative around how can we set the children up in the home with activities? Is it that the parent can be upstairs or in the back room? Is it that we can have video conference with the acknowledgement that children may come into the room? If they do come into the room, we will all stop talking and allow that parent a break. Um, also talking to parents that are under the one roof about how can you share that load? Can one of you go into the car or can you, you know, I know we, I used to say go to the beach, now you can't even go to the beach, but being really creative about how can we give semi-privacy to each parent as well and keeping the meetings short and structured to the point where if they need to end because of a child, we all agree to that. If a parent needs a break to go and set a child up again, we agree to that. If it is that the parent with the child will agree to set themselves up as much as they can, have snacks available, get creative. It's okay for children to watch TV or an iPad for a little bit. Let them play, those sorts of things. So being really listening, I guess, to what the family needs to enable the meeting to take place. 
And I, I think flexibility is a word that you just said, and that's mm. really important, just, not just for meetings, but also for the arrangements that people are going to make during this time. We have no idea how long our um, lockdown, I think that's what I'm yes. calling it, it, is going to go on for. Yeah. And um, the earlier on you said people are doing things differently now from what they did three weeks ago. Mm. And I expect that people will return to you to further develop plans because just as children get older, this situation is going to develop. And Mm -hmm. um, so Victorian schools, I think I saw announced they're going to reopen, Reopen, um, but they only want children to go if they really have Mm -hmm. to. So that's really for those essential workers. Mm -hmm. So we can expect that, the situation is going to be longer and ongoing and it's going to get tougher for kids. Um, yeah. And what's put in place for them now, while it's still a bit of a novelty for them, mm-hmm. um, will, you know, it may need to, times may need to change. It may be that yeah. kids are going stir crazy and people need to change the structure of their arrangements mm. and that maybe a week in between houses maybe that needs to yeah it might be too long (laughs) for for everyone yeah maybe that people decide you know what um instead of having change over on a friday we're going to do it on a wednesday Mm. and then each parent gets a portion Mm. of the working week Mm. um it's not changing the amount of time but Mm -hmm. being flexible and going you know what maybe wednesday would be better than we get the kids get a break we get a break everybody gets the weekend Mm. in between um and Mm -hmm. i think being flexible and creative will really help people get through this rather than being rigid and saying, well, that's what the orders say. Mm. That's what our parenting plan says. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's a different way we could do this so that it's easier for everyone. I think that's absolutely right, Gemma. And also people who have previously relied on whether it's daycare, whether it's grandparents, whether it's third party carers, such as an au pair or a nanny or a neighbor, those restrictions now are impacting parenting arrangements. And so families are having to reassess each of their needs and how they're going to make that work without the assistance potentially of third parties. So I think that's really helpful to reassess it from the, uh, I guess, as parents, our own needs. Um, And I'm talking to you now with, I've got three children at home. So you might have a cameo appearance. But I think if you can talk to your children around your expectations and really allow them to talk to you, um, have family meetings, have a dinner table conversation and then share those with each other as parents. Yeah, and I think um, having that time where we are off our devices and we're not watching the news Mm. and we're focused on the children because we're asking them at the moment to just be absent while Mm -hmm. I work for a whole Mm -hmm. day or Mm -hmm. while I have a mediation session. And there needs to be some time away from all of that for them. And Mm. um, I've heard some people with stories of kids acting up a bit. And when they stopped and reflected, they realised it was because they were on their electronic devices all day working and the kids were on the electronic devices and they Mm. weren't getting any attention. Mm. And if we know one thing from the... 20 plus years of family law Mm. we've each been doing it's Mm. that when kids don't get positive attention they'll go for any Mm. kind of attention Mm -hmm. and they'll act up and they'll become they'll misbehave Mm -hmm. because that's a way of getting attention so if you are coming into a mediation or a parenting coordination or a meeting with a lawyer i think 
um, setting your child's expectations of what time you'll be finished. Yes. And, and if they're old enough, give them a time. Say, right, yeah. I'm going to be done by this time. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're small, you might have to be more creative. It might be you get five episodes of Peppa Pig and then I'll, I'll be yeah. done or, or something, something that they can understand so that they know when it's going to finish mm. and then they're less likely to interrupt. And the, so long yeah. as you communicate that, I think, to everyone at the beginning of the meeting. That's um, it. Yeah, I, yes, I do have time yeah. constraints. I've told my kid I'll be yes. off by 12. And let everybody know. And I, I mean, I was doing a um, recording the other day and there were a number of professionals on there. And I was very upfront at the beginning. I have three children at home at the moment. And it was amazing once you shared a little bit about yourself, how the other participants who are normally very astute, strict lawyers were saying, I'm doing the same. We're all juggling. And then we just accommodated that through the meeting. So I think that's right. The other tip I would have, and I do it deliberately, you can see that I've got headphones on. So my children can't hear what's happening. Um, And if I was doing a mediation, I certainly wouldn't be in an open space. But I think if you can wear headphones, then your children can't hear the conversation. You can still hear them unless you've got blockout ones but it just gives you another level of I guess semi-privacy in that conversation. Absolutely and my experience is that the sound quality is better for (laughs) everyone else as well. (laughs) Yeah that's probably right. I've got my uh, robot earphones in (laughs) so um, so Shelby you mentioned before just to change topic completely that you were dealing with a couple who are separated under the mm-hmm. one roof mm-hmm. and um it occurred to me that the longer this situation goes on um it's i, I wrote a blog article on it that we're likely to end up with babies or divorces and yes. it might seem a bit tongue-in-cheek but mm-hmm. already in china now that they're coming mm-hmm. out of isolation they're seeing an increase in divorces and yes. Um, we're potentially going to have a longer lockdown situation than they've had Mm -hmm. and um, time together, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder Mm -hmm. um, or go yonder, but being together Mm -hmm. can do the same thing. And if there's already issues, it can exacerbate those. Mm -hmm. And something that occurred to me is that there might be people who are worried about how do they, how do they separate? What do they do? Do they have to wait till the end of lockdown? And I thought that, the collaborative process might be helpful for those people who realise this is not working yes. um, and staying together for the sake of the kids whilst you're in lockdown mm. and not having a conversation about it could actually mm-hmm. make the situation worse. So I wondered if you could offer some thoughts around how um, using collaborative practice mm-hmm. or even mediation, but collaborative sort of springs to mind as mm. the most obvious here mm. to to transition through a separation under the one roof when when mm. you're actually just separating yeah. whilst you're in this isolation situation. So I think for your listeners, um, a really brief explanation of collaborative is an out of court process um, where we form a team to support the family to transition through their separation and then into what I call two family units. Um, When I say we form a team, um, there are expert family lawyers involved that specifically have trained in collaborative law. Um, You may have someone like me who is called a coach or a communication specialist. Um, You may have financial um, 
professionals assisting, you may have child experts assisting. So whatever that family needs at that time, we form the team to help them through. I guess the other pertinent component of the collaborative process is we're looking at what it is that each member of that family need and how do we get outcomes that meet those needs. Whereas I guess in a much more traditional family law approach, we would be looking at what does the law say and what is the likely range or outcome for this family. We, in the collaborative sense, work the other way. We ask the family what it is that they are worried about, what's keeping them up at night, what's important to them, what do they value, what do they want their family unit to look like in years to come. And then as a team, including the members of that family, um, primarily the parents, I'm not talking about the children, but we work to achieve those outcomes. And uh, I practice as a collaborative family lawyer. I'm, I'm not a neutral coach. And I think it's important to really highlight that um, my job as a member of that team is to advocate for my client and make mm -hmm. sure um, that I help my client articulate their needs. Mm -hmm. um, I also give advice about the law though, because at sure the do. end of the day, um, we don't ignore the law. Mm -hmm. It's not a warm and fuzzy process where we sit around holding hands virtually singing Kumbaya. Songs, yeah. <laughs> um, it's still, the, the settlement still needs to be something um, that either a court would be comfortable as a consent order or that the lawyer feels comfortable signing off on and there's, there's certainly a whole... robust conversation during those meetings that that's absolutely right it's not a process where everybody is just sitting calmly and it's a placid conversation let's be real when you are separating emotions are high the job of the team is, and my job as uh, the neutral coach is to manage the emotions, give space for everyone to have a voice. And I was on, I think Jennifer, you were part of it yesterday, um, an international um, collaborative group where it, somebody made the comment that collaborative is a balance between advocacy and the needs of the client. And what they meant by the needs, I think is the emotional, physical, social, um, so you absolutely have the opportunity to have your lawyer and your lawyer is there for a purpose. The lawyer is there to give you advice, walk you through the process, um, to reality test proposals, to come up with options around how we might resolve it. Um, I guess it's not as strategic as some of the traditional methods. Yeah, I think it's as a collaborative lawyer in that process, um, I would behave very differently from how I would in a litigation matter. Um, and the one of the fundamental principles of collaborative is that everybody's making a commitment that we're not going to court yes. um, and signing off on that as a contract. Mm. So um, for me as a lawyer, my job is to work with my client and the other party and mm. with the team to help these parties reach an agreement that is legally binding. That's that's my job mm. and all the things that I need to do to help facilitate that. It's not to um, try to rake mud up about the other person. No. Uh, it's not to prepare for court. I'm not a gladiator yeah. in that scenario at all. Um, I'm there to understand that these parties have 
often have children. They might not be young children. Mm -hmm. They might be adult children, but mm -hmm. even adult children really need their parents to get along. And I always use the example of, um, imagine your children's 21st birthdays, their weddings, your grandchildren. What do you want mm -hmm. those occasions to look like? Do you want to be the parents who... Um, when the guest list is being drawn up, the kids go, oh no, no, we have to have mm -hmm. mum or dad. They can't mm -hmm. both be there or they can't sit at the same table and, and all of those sorts of things that we, we do see happen. Yeah. They happen all the time. And for me, it's a process that means um, it's far more likely that those things will go smoothly in the future because mm. it's about preserving relationships. And I, I guess yeah. that's where I was coming at with the separation under the one roof, mm. um, that because it's a different process, that might be um, an easier way for people to navigate a separation I during think that's isolation. Right, because I'm thinking of the family that I gave the example of living under the one roof and as issues are arising, the team of professionals, so the, both of the lawyers um, or the parties, the parents are reaching out to me saying, this issue has arisen for us, we need to deal with it. That team is able to call a meeting, and at the moment it's via Zoom, so we're calling a meeting within a number of days typically. Um, we're setting some time aside, we're setting the family up that are managing children in the background, and we're able to work through that issue as it arises, rather than war of correspondence or big delays. Um, I think we can all be um, in agreement at the moment. If you are looking for court dates, unless there is absolute urgency, you're just being pushed back. So we've got to find ways to work for families. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Shelby, thank you very much for chatting with me today. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure that that's been really helpful. Um, your children are probably wondering what Quiet. mum's doing. <laughs> <laughs> it might be morning tea time now. So um, yeah. thank you once again. You're very welcome.